Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm so glad you joined us for this episode for Sunday, May 22nd, 2022. It's entitled, Truth for Tough Times, Approved Workmen Are Not Ashamed. You know, too often as we think about the church and Christianity and doctrine within the church, Christian theology seems like it's taken more from Sally Jesse Raphael or Oprah or some other Christian talk show than it does from God himself, which is sad because we have a divinely revealed word of God. So we're going to see today as we think about how to really make it as believers in very tough times, that there is truth for tough times and that approved workmen are not ashamed of what? Of this truth and Christian theology. Over the years, the churches that I was privileged to serve and pastor, in every one of them, I started something called Awana Clubs. Some of you know what Awana stands for. It stands for approved workmen are not ashamed. And that's from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, which we're going to study today. So in that sense, all of us should be like Awana clubbers, where we believe that those who are approved workmen are not ashamed of the word of God. So let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 14 to 26 today. In the last episode, last week, we saw the first part of the chapter in verses 1 through 13. You may want to look at that. Listen to that so you can catch up if you missed it. But remember that the Apostle Paul, as he writes these words, is in prison. Not just any prison. He is in prison awaiting execution, most likely in the Mamertine prison below the streets of Rome with the Tiber River running through it, where very soon he would be beheaded probably his body pushed into the Tiber River and maybe his decapitated head as well. But instantly, the Apostle Paul would be with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. As soon as he drew his last breath here, he would draw his first breath in heaven. Amen. Well, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. And in this passage... Here, the Apostle Paul, as he knows that his entrance to heaven is is very near, he's extremely concerned about his young pastor friend, Timothy, who is pastoring the great church in the city of Ephesus. And he knew of all of the false teaching that was springing up. He knew of various so-called pastors and teachers who had astoundingly abandoned the true faith. He knew of many Christians, no doubt, professing Christians, who had abandoned the faith, who no longer followed Christ. 
And his desire here is to strengthen young Timothy so that Timothy would preach the word and strengthen true believers in Christ. Well, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 14. And we're going to look first at verses 14 to 21. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. So that's where the Sally, Jesse, Raphael, Oprah, you know, the talk show thing comes in where people just talk and talk and talk. And a lot of it's just flat out wrong, but it's just no end of the words and words and opinions and talking and every day and on and on and on. And nobody's life has really changed. Things carry on pretty much in the same sad way that they've been going. Why? Because too many people are focusing on the words of men. But there's a solution to that. And that is focusing on the word of God. So look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we are not to focus on the words of men, but the word of of God. Where is that, you might ask? It's in the Bible. We have the Bible, which is God's word to us, given to us by inspiration. He breathed that through holy men of God who recorded his word. And it's without error. It is absolutely infallible. It is a perfect book. That is the book that we're to focus on. Study. That means, you remember when you went to school and you studied to pass a test? If you were serious, you studied hard to pass a test. Well, here, we're to be diligent. We're to study to show thyself. Timothy is, but we should do it too. To show thyself approved unto God. That is, I want God's approval. For example, in this podcast or in my preaching as a pastor, and years ago, I want that to stand the, the test and the appraisal of God so that he is able to say prayerfully, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's what I long to hear. I don't really care if you like this podcast. I care deeply that it has the approval of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God. You know, when you are teaching a lesson for a Bible study class, like a Sunday school class or a home Bible study, when you are preaching a sermon, giving a devotional message, maybe at a senior citizen's home, wherever you're handling the word of God, you are to put some time into that so that you understand it and you get it right. Do not handle the word of God. Well, to me, this means nobody cares what you think it means to you until you first share what it says. What does the word of God say? Then you can uh, help people apply that to their life. 
Like, okay, I see what it says. What do I do with this? That's how you properly study and teach and preach and handle the word of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman. This is like a, a, uh, a craftsman, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. One writer said that a very good analogy here is if you're a skilled craftsman, you don't mind if people inspect your work. You know it will pass the test. So we are to handle the word of God as we minister it. And if any preachers are listening right now, shame, shame, shame on you if you're getting your messages from other preachers and you're not putting the time and the study in the Greek or the Hebrew, even if you need help in that from others, you should be in it. And if you're getting your messages from somebody else, just go ahead and resign today from the ministry, all right? You are not doing this right. And if you want, resign. If you want to do it right, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This means literally cutting it straight. Now, this may be, Paul may have used this under the inspiration of the Spirit because he had experience as a tent maker. When he would make tents for customers, then he would use a pattern and he would cut the leather or whatever material to use for the tent, he would cut it straight according to the correct pattern. There are patterns in the Word of God. And when you learn to interpret it correctly, even though you may have to study it a long time, you will pretty easily, with the Holy Spirit's help, who is our teacher after all, you will see what it is saying and how to rightly interpret the Word of God. There are entire denominations and cults that have been founded on someone not rightly dividing the Word of truth. Do not be guilty of that. Put in the time to study, to show yourself approved unto God, like Timothy was to do, so that you too can be a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And again, if you're a pastor or a teacher and you, quote, don't have time to do that, just resign. Quit adding trouble to your future and let someone who will study the word deliver the word. All right, verse 16. So remember, we're not to... Focus on the words of men, but to focus on the word of God. But back to verse 16 of what we're not to do, but shun profane and vain babblings like, like, a, like a little kid talks. You know, some preachers should just shut up because they lower the IQ of those who listen to them. And they're not building up their spiritual IQ, because they're not really dealing with the depths of the Word of God. Just stop, if that's you. If you want to do better, the Holy Spirit will teach you, and just as 
Timothy had a mentor in Paul, maybe you should have a mentor of a preacher who does this, who can teach you how to do that. It's called exegesis. It's it's not just expository preaching and teaching, but it's getting into uh, exegete means to bring out what is in there, okay? Too much preaching and teaching today is what we might call eisegesis. That is reading into the text what you think it says or what you want it to say, and that's wrong. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Men, you know, there's one thing about error. It will spread faster than the truth, it seems like. You know, like a lie spreads faster than the truth. Same thing with doctrinal error. And this has a result for those who are deceived by doctrinal error. What happens? Their lives become more and more and more unlike Jesus. They become more and more ungodly. And this can become very serious, as we see in verse 17. Now, talking about the people who don't study to show themselves approved unto God, who just kind of wing it, and they end up teaching false doctrine, verse 17, and their word, now this is not God's word, this is their word, all right? And their word will eat as doth a canker. When you see the word canker right here, think of cancer. Their word will eat as doth a cancer, as doth a canker of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. Now, we don't know very much about either one of these guys, but here, here's something we can safely assume because they are used, they are named specifically at the end of verse 17. So one guy's name, Hymenaeus, means singing man, and Philetus means the kissing man. Now, I don't know if these were euphemistic names for these two people, although Timothy would have known who, who they were, or whether this was, these were literally their names. It doesn't matter. The point is this. There are a lot of preachers and teachers today, especially younger ones, who've not had the advantage of sitting under the ministry of people who exegete the word, and they, they don't know how to handle it, therefore, and even in their seminaries and Bible schools, they're often not taught this. It's like a total mystery to them. And the problem is, though, when you are influenced by the singing man and the kissing man, these are like people who are like, man, I just love listening to that guy preach or teach. Wonderful. Whatever. He makes you feel good. Or... You know, that guy just makes me feel so warm and cozy and so good. And that has nothing to do with exegesis at all. In fact, I've noticed, I've been listening to the Bible through this year in 2022, and I'm now uh, well in the underway in the New Testament already. So I've listened to a lot of the Bible in a short amount of time. Many times the Word of God is very uncomfortable because it puts a finger on our disobedience and our sin and tells us what's right and that we need to repent. 
Well, trust me, that won't fill churches. Now, it'll fill churches of people who want to follow the truth, yes. But the average bear does not want to follow truth. The average bear has no hunger and heart and desire for a life of godliness, of holiness to the Lord. They just want to feel good after church. So they seek out Hymenaeus, a singing man, and Philetus, the kissing man, because they just made me feel so good. That's not exegesis. If that's all you're getting, find a real church. Period. Look at verse 18. Uh, and he's not done talking about them. Who, concerning the truth, have erred. Listen. Wherever they started, let's say they seemed like they were right as rain, spot on, right on target. They preached the word like Paul's talking about. But somewhere along the way, they deviated from the truth and they went off into error. Let me show you how ridiculous their error became. Who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. So they were having an effect on those who listened to them where some were just completely destroyed in what appeared to be their Christian faith. They were shipwrecked, overthrown by this false teaching. Well, what was, what was one thing they taught specifically? Well, right here we know for sure they taught the, that the resurrection had already happened. Now, I have thought and thought and thought about that this week. I even consulted some commentaries, to little avail, <laughs> because nobody really deals with what one person did. And so why in the world, what advantage would they have in teaching that the resurrection is past already? I don't know. I mean, if the resurrection is past already and everybody living has missed it, why go to church anymore? Why pray? Why believe in Jesus? I mean, if we've missed it, we've missed it, right? I mean, so that doesn't seem logical to me because how could they keep people following them, right? I don't know. Maybe that is what it meant. I didn't say it had to make sense, right? But it may mean, and this is kind of something I had not considered, it may mean that they were teaching that we're already in heaven or the millennial age and the kingdom and Things are great, you know, and there's, there's no judgment coming and all this. Who knows? I mean, how mixed up can you get, right? But again, it says, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Well, again, it doesn't have to be logical. It's just what they were teaching and preaching. And Paul just says, don't get sidetracked and taken off the path and into error by this kind of false teaching. Well, Pastor Ed, Pastor Ed, how do I do that? Don't listen to the words of men. Focus on the word of God. There you go. Verse 19, nevertheless, like if you're all worried right now, have peace, all right? Verse 19, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. See, God's not worried. He knows who loves him and belongs to him, and he knows who doesn't. The Lord knoweth them that are his, 
And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. All right, now let's just stop right there. Now listen, when you come to Christ, if you're truly born again, there will begin to be a, a change in your life. And the worse sinner you are, the bigger the change will be. I mean, you know, the worse obvious sinner you are, you know, let's say you were a complete drunkard or drug addict. Well, you, God's going to deliver you from that. All right. Now, uh, but if somebody says they are born again, but I ne I'm not saying that they're perfect. I'm just saying they say they're born again, but I never see the slightest hint of life change in them. I don't know about that. Maybe they might not be born again. I can't know for sure, but I'm just saying that it makes me wonder, all right? So when people say, well, I know, I know the Lord and he knows me, well, amen, he does, if you're saved. But we can't see your heart. What we're going to look at is how you live. It's sort of like the guy said after the revival meeting, or I've heard it said, well, it doesn't matter how high you jump, it's how straight you walk when you come down. All right? You, you understand. And he gives this analogy as well. Let's Timothy be discouraged. Like, well, am I the only one? Well, no, he wasn't. But there were many who were still faithful to the Lord, but it probably was discouraging to him to see even teachers and preachers of the truth getting off track and leading others off track. So Paul comes under the inspiration of the Spirit, says in verse 20, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth. So think of fine china or silverware, something like that. All right, that's there, but so are wooden bowls and clay bowls and even something like a trash can, right? For its own purpose. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth and some to honor, and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself, that is, clean himself from these, what? The false teaching and a life that's ungodly. Um, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, that is, set apart like a fine piece of china for a special use. He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. So Timothy may have been concerned, but don't lose heart. In a great house, there's, there's uh, gold and silver vessels and they're used by the master and there's other vessels made of other material and uh, maybe they even have trash thrown in them and they're not used for the same purpose. Timothy's main concern for himself was to be that he be a vessel of honor fit for the master's use, right? And so should I, and so should you. So you need to make sure that not only you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but you also, through his power, live 
for the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's finish up. 2 Timothy 2, verses 22 to 26. Flee also youthful lust. You know, when we're young, too often we follow our heart, and that's where we go wrong. We get into all kinds of problems there. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness. Chase what is right, what is godly. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, that means God's kind of love, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I can't always fix the false teachers and Christians who are following them astray, but I can keep myself in, on track and, and associate with and encourage those who are like me, who love the Lord and trying to live a life of righteousness in his power. All right, verse 23, but, Foolish, here it is again, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strife. I believe we should stand firm for the doctrine of the Lord in the Bible. No doubt about that. But you know what? There comes a point where we stand for it, we believe it, we encourage others, but we can't spend every single day arguing and being contentious. We should, as one writer said, not, yes, we should contend for the faith, but we must not be contentious. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strife. They will create many struggles among the people of God. So just steer clear of them to the ability uh, you know, to the, what am I trying to say? Steer clear of them to the degree that you can. Verse 24, and the servant of the Lord must not strive. Now, again, we stand for the faith, but we are not to be pugnacious where we go around just spiritually punching everybody in the nose. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So even when we stand for the Lord and his word, in his spirit and through his power and grace, it should be done in a way that is trying to help people repent and recover themselves from their error, not in a spirit where we're writing them off, okay? So this is hard to do, by the way. You need his power and his help to do that. That's how we are to be. Why? Verse 26 tells us why. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare, think of a trap, out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. He takes them captive so they will do his will rather than the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, listen, as I said, approved workmen are not ashamed. Are you an approved workman? If you could do better and you want to be better, then study to show yourself approved unto God 
a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing. That means interpreting the word of God. All right, don't focus on the words of men. I hope this has encouraged you today. And listen, if you need help with spiritual questions like, am I a Christian? Uh, you know, how do I follow the Lord more closely? What do I need to, to do to be saved? Those kind of important questions. I want you to write this number down and call this number, 877-247-2426. One more time, 877-247-2426. Call that number and someone will help you with your spiritual questions. I want you to know today that with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know for certain how your eternity will turn out. You don't have to guess. Instead of continuing to follow Satan and being condemned to an eternal hell, you can follow Jesus Christ and be welcome into heaven. And remember Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Word. I hope you will... Come back next week at dredhill.podbean.com. Share this with someone right now where you're listening. And also like this episode and follow the podcast. Thank you. We'll see you next week with another episode from This Week in the Word. Bye-bye.